Thank you, Mike. I think Mike knows that uh, Come Thou Fount of River Blessing is probably, I don't know if it's my favorite hymn, but it's definitely high, high up there on the list because uh, I do, I love that line, prone to wonder. So um, I want you to keep bringing in those old tools. I actually now have two in, in my uh, limited toolbox in the uh, office that someone has brought in that I will work into a future sermon. Uh, but I had to resort to Brenda's toolbox at the house because it is an old wooden toolbox that my dad gave to her because she liked the wood, not necessarily the tools. And there was a long time, I think we displayed it on the fireplace and he would make fun of us because we had this toolbox out there. And he, I think he said one time, I've got a spare tire. You want to put that up there too? But so you could understand my dad's humor and why I have the strange sense that I have. But this is... Uh, recognizable by many people, especially when I do that. It is a shillelagh that you can whack anybody in the head with. Uh, it is the pull stick box for my pull cue. No, it is not. <laughs> I don't have to have one, so, because uh, that is trouble, if you know that musical. Um, it is a old-fashioned level that um, when you uh, put it on something like this, or maybe put it on a line that you've drawn on the wall, you can see if something is level. It has a little uh, bubble in the water that runs through this glass and has a couple of lines. I, let me get my bifocals. I think this one's still got lines on it. Yes. <clears throat> it's funny, it's, it's such a small one by comparison to some of the newer ones. Yeah, it's got two lines there that you can see it. And maybe you've, you've done this. You've um, wanted to mount a picture on the wall and you're up close, and you think it's level, but you step back and see that it's not level. And if you would have started with a level and drawn a line, it probably would have mounted straight and level the first time. This one has two, as most levels do. It has two, two uh, floating pieces of, or two, two pieces of glass with water floating in a bubble. And this one, uh, I don't know, some of you who are better carpenters or builders than I am, I would use this to find if something is plumb. Uh, and, and sometimes there's a word used with plumb as, it, is it true? Think about that in the context of faith, and straight and right and correct. Is it true? Now, sadly, over the years, either this one has broken or the water has dried up. There's no way that this one can ever measure if something is plumb this way. I guess you could do something like this, that it still would not do right because it's out of the uh, wrong orientation for it. And wouldn't it be nice if you had a tool that would always level things out for you? And that's really what the book of James is doing. Uh, he is that source that restores the bubble that's gone missing as we try to find out what's true and plumb and level in our lives. James becomes the tool to keep us true and to keep us level. And as we look at this reminder slide, it is that which tests the validity of our faith. Because a living faith is a working faith. And over these past few weeks, uh, I welcome you back today to the book of James. But first we talked about a living faith will be tested. And then second sermon we did, a, a, a faith that works will come from God or it does come from God. And today, I want you to look, think about this, that a faith that works levels temptation. Levels temptation. If you have your Bibles, please join with me as we pick it back up on verse 13 of chapter 1. Reminder, written by 
the half-brother of Jesus, a very practical how-to book, and he has written to Christians that are scattered throughout the land. He's been talking about trials and testings, and he begins in verse 2 to even say, consider it all joy when you face these trials and tests. And now he shifts the use of his wording to the word temptation or to the word tempt. Verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Let's pray. Our Father, as we proceed to a topic that we raise our eyebrows or we take a gasp or perhaps we want to claim that we've never been tempted. James begins this phrase that we're reading from today, when tempted. He doesn't say if. He says when, implying that we all will face temptation. How we emerge from it, how we allow your word to level our lives, to keep us true, to keep us plumb, to keep us in step with you, Lord, that's our challenge. Let us always seek the joy that comes from you versus the joy that comes from this world. Help us in this hour to rightly divide this word, and we had asked that you would speak to our hearts, and when we find ourselves like that crooked picture on the wall, grab us, Lord, and straighten us, lift us back up to being in fellowship and in faith with you. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. My first point is own up to temptation. Own up to temptation. Uh, this week as I talked with uh, Pierce and, and Dan and Mike and I made them each list three different things that they think people are tempted by. Not necessarily themselves because it's always easier to say, well, I've seen those guys over there get tempted by this, not me. We talked about that and then we talked about Flip Wilson, how you used to say, you know, the devil made me do it or Something else like that. James is very direct. He doesn't say that it comes from God. It comes from ourselves often. That's where the temptation begins in our evil desires. And he shifts in his use of a Greek word, perizimos, and I probably mispronounce it. It's P-E-I-R-A-M-O-S. Um, that means... Temptation, that means trial, that means test. King James, I believe, uses the, common, uses the word temptation throughout those 13 or 14 verses. The more modern translations distinguish between trials and testing and temptation because 
we would say there is a difference. But even, even as I surveyed uh, folks early this morning, uh, I called a couple of preacher friends, and then I asked a couple of preachers here in the congregation. Sometimes it's difficult. We know there's a difference in testing and trials and temptation, but sometimes it's hard to articulate uh, that actual difference. James says, when tempted, if not, he's trying to tell us to be prepared. You know, not, not if we are, but when we are, be prepared. And he says that God will not tempt you because temptation is inconsistent with the character of God and the actions of God. God is not evil. God does not condone evil. God will not bring evil or sin. So what is that difference between trials, temptations, and testing? Well, we talked last week a little bit about trials and testing, and we talked about illness, and we talked about loss of a job, maybe family struggles, accidents or deaths. All those can be seen as trials and testings that when faced by the Christian, their faith in God is strengthened. They have to go to their knees. They have to rely on Him, and they allow the joy that James mentions in verse 2 to take over because we're on our knees. We're level at the cross I talked about last week. We are with God in the midst of this trial and test because we cannot do anything on our own. But then evil can come in. And I guess you could say, I, I guess is a dangerous word for me to use, but I, I would say that you could take a test and turn it into a temptation by your own evil desires. Uh, I mentioned just this morning, Pierce and I are saying, if I'm out of work and I cannot pay bills, I could be tempted to take what is not mine. And I allow evil to come into my heart, and I've turned a test into a temptation. But let's put it like this. When a faithful Christian is confronted with a test and a trial, it is their opportunity to rely on their faith and to come victorious through that trial and test even stronger because who they find their dependence on. They emerge from the test and the trial singing, as we sang, I think, last week or the week before, it is well with my soul. But the Christian who allows a test or a trial, or let's use the word temptation, to come into their life to find joy in anything other than God... They show the weakness of their faith. And they come out singing something like Garth Brooks. I got friends in low places and I like it. And I want to stay there. So own up to the temptation. One commentator I read this week that said, Our society temptation is almost an unused word. Because everything is within our grasp. Nothing is, crosses boundaries anymore. There are no forbidden fruits, if you will. And it's as if we have all sampled the apple and prefer our own choices over anything that God might bestow upon us. So, the great thing about temptation, if you will, is that we have, as Hebrews 4 tells us, a high priest who has been tempted in every way. Just as we are, yet he was without sin. So remember, the same spirit that we talked about a few weeks ago that hurled Jesus into the wilderness for a period of tempting was the same spirit that empowered him to crush the devil. 
And that same spirit is in the life of a Christian who follows Christ. And that same spirit will sustain him. He may allow him to be tested, but he will help him crush the devil in that temptation. So own up to temptation. We're all tempted. What you do with it is the difference on death and life. And that's the second part is heed the warning. I can remember as a child when my dad's cigarettes started containing a little warning on the side. Those of you who were born in the 50s or earlier know that in 1966 they finally put a little statement on there that the Surgeon General has determined that cigarette smoking may be hazardous to your health. And about three years later, 1969, they stopped putting cigarette commercials on the TV, thinking that would keep young people and adults from smoking. Well, how does that work? <clears throat> Crazy that someone would smoke, and I'm not here on my smoking sermon, but they would do something that right on the side it says don't do because it, it can make you sick. So much so that it's done to the extreme, and there's a company in Michigan that is a... Uh, one of these groups that lobbies against uh, just crazy lawsuits, and it's called uh, crazy ads because of the different warnings that people put on products so that they won't get sued. Here's a couple pictures that I'd like to show you. Thanks to COVID, this is a winner from last year. On a face mask, it says it does not supply oxygen, so they won't get sued. Next, <laughs> Next one. This is a lightsaber from a child's play toy, Star Wars, and it says for accessory use only. Well, not, not to be used as a battle device. Wow. Keep going. This one is a fire alarm, basically telling them that if you silence it, it will not extinguish the fire. And then I think I got maybe two more. A little electric cart that says it, it actually moves, and, and with, you know, you're, it could be dangerous. And there's a little helmet there beside, and then the last one which uh, Dan and I have had experiences with those, blades are sharp. Crazy. Why would anybody need a label to know that utility knives are sharp and that they will cut you? Well, let me read you James's warning in verse 14. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. And then after... Desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Crazy, right? Why would you succumb to temptation? Because he's spelling out the, in the warning label, it leads to death. Well, there are a couple things I'd like to point out for you in these uh, verses. I like the imagery where he says, but each one is tempted when by his own desire he is dragged away. How many things have dragged you away from your faith? How many things have you allowed to drag you away from church? To drag you away from witnessing? To drag you away from Sunday school? To drag you away from anything that God wants you to do? You found some rope to drag you away. And then he uses this word enticed. Um, enticed, the Greek word best is, is the word for bait. It's like putting the worm on the hook. And I watched a, a Francis Chan uh, video of him talking about this word. Um, you know, he's a prominent pastor, uh, speaker, writer. Um, 
he actually used a fishing pole in a, in a worship service and put a, a gummy worm on the end of the hook. And he said, yeah, look, you know, this is what this is. Doesn't the gummy worm look good? And to the fish or to the person who would grab it, it looks good. But the hook catches you and leads to death. And he did it in a sermon in like three, you know, I had multiple church services. And he said nobody would take it, but when he hung a $100 bill on it, he had to keep replacing the $100 bill each week. So sometimes it's the enticement that will, you know, you get the right enticement, it will cause you to fail to heed the warning. And he concluded his sermon, I just kind of fast forwarded in the video. He puts on uh, one of these, what I would call like a, a rice hat, or a, a, not a rice, a, a woven hat of, of reed or a little conical type hat. And dangling from it, he said, is everything in San Francisco that tempts him. You know, there was like a, a naked Barbie for sex. There, there was a piece of money hanging. There was like a Hot Wheel cars. There was a piece of toy jewelry. Uh, there was a, a beer can. And he said, it's as if all these things, whenever I move my head, are tempting me and they're always in my view. Well, if you heed, don't heed the warning, you may succumb to the temptation. Most commentators look at this imagery of like the conception and the delivery of a baby. He uses those kind of terms. Each one is tempted, but when by his own evil desires he is, he is dragged away and enticed, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. It's as if the grandma is lust, mother is the sin, and daughter is death. And because I know that there are men and women involved in having children, I would say grandpa is the lust, daddy is the sin, and son becomes death in this, you know, pulling out what happens from temptation. Most of you who have grown up in church have heard one or more illustrations from Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor um, who spoke out against the Nazis. He was actually living in the United States, went back to Germany to help try to um, stop what was going on there. Uh, he's best known for a book called The Cost of Discipleship. But there is another book that uh, was bound from some presentations that he did at a pastor's conference in 1935 or 37. And it's called simply Temptations because each one of these daily devotionals at this conference he led began with a devotion on temptation. And I want to read you just one little section from uh, this book. Uh, Bonhoeffer writes, oh, and if you don't know the rest of the story with Bonhoeffer, he was hung by the Nazis in uh, May of 19, excuse me, April of 1945. He writes, with irresistible power, desire seizes mastery of the flesh. It makes no difference whether it is sex, ambition, vanity, revenge, fame, power, greed, or money. The joy in God is extinguished in us as we see all of our joy in the creature of temptation. Temptation, in Cliff Perry paraphrase, is the fire extinguisher that snuffs out the flames of joy found in God. 
James is fanning the flames for us in verse 2. Consider it all joy when you're in trials and in testings. Consider the faith that you have in God to bring you through those things. Let that fire consume you, not the fire of temptation. Recently, Spencer uh, was in his Ram Charger. We don't have it now. We, we, we like to sell, buy and sell Ram Chargers, and he had one catch fire. Uh, a couple summers ago, and uh, this month recently, we thought we smelled fuel in it, so I had an old fire extinguisher, and I put it in the back of the car. And Nicholas and I are in my pickup truck following Spencer back to our house, and where there's that turnaround uh, on Highway 16 to come into my neighborhood, he makes the turn, not exceedingly fast that, you know, for once, I didn't think he was driving fast or anything, but the next thing we see is smoke everywhere in the Ram Charger. And, and we just know it, it's finally caught fire. And he, he gets to the side of the road, puts it in park. Nick and I cannot make the turnaround because there's a lady in front of us who's, you know, she's waiting for the people who left Bandera to clear. I mean, she is just like forever and forever. Nick's honking because Nick's actually driving my trunk. He's honk, honking. I'm about ready to jump out of the truck and try to run across the highway to get to him to help him. And with that, he throws open, Spencer throws open the back uh, lift gate of the Ram Charger. And the smoke is billowing out. And I see him reaching in and he grabs a fire extinguisher and he throws it in the ditch. It was the fire extinguisher that had gone off. There was no fire, but man, what a mess it made. And Nick and I are coming over, not, not even laughing at him, so happy that it didn't catch fire, so happy that nothing's hurt, so happy that everything's okay, so happy that he didn't pull my new truck out in front of oncoming traffic and get us around over trying to help Spencer fight a fire extinguisher. But it's the perfect illustration for temptation. You may get tempted and have the mess of the fire extinguisher on you when you seek out the fire of God's love and joy in your life. But if you don't let that fire go out or if you let that temptation continue to burn, you'll have a burned up ram charger like we did a couple years ago. Don't let temptation burn in your heart. Because after temptation drags you away with the desire that is conceived, it leaves you with more than a mess. It leaves you with damage and death. What you thought made you look good and feel more alive leads to death in the end. Death of trust, death of relationships, death of self-respect, death of reputation, and a death that separates you from God. Bonhoeffer concluded that little temptation section that I read that Satan doesn't fill us, fill us with hatred for God, but with forgetfulness of God. Heed the warning. Because once you are in the grip of, of lust and temptation, God is ever so distant. Once we forget who he is, we forget who we are. And there's only one thing to do, and that's turn around and head home. Go back to the Savior. And that's our final point today. Stay in the light. Stay in the light. Let me read again to you verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. That's the first of three times he uses that phrase, my dear brothers. He's actually saying beloved. I, I'm not sure, Judd, I'm looking at you. King James say beloved, yeah. He is expressing his love for his readers, for those that would heed the words that God has given him. 
to proclaim. Let's say it again, verse 19 in chapter 2, I think verse 5. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. That's, he, and he's drawing back, you're thinking that temptation comes from God. It doesn't, it can't, he, he won't do that. Because every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Yesterday, I helped my oldest son install uh, some outdoor lightings. Here's a picture of one that he sent me last night. Pretty cool. Took us a little while to get it. You know, Cliff didn't do it right first. None of us were shocked. Very appreciative of that. Um, Kim, the tool man, you know, he thought he could do it and didn't mess it up totally. It's one of those that has uh, like a sensor that where it comes on at night and sees people walking up. And I think it also has a photo cell that will come on and when it gets dark, it turn, turns on. It's got more things on it and more settings on the bottom. He had to read the directions, you know, which, of course, I never would. I just knew it had three wires on three wires over there. Let's put them together and it should work. Go hit the switch or that kind of thing. But it illustrates for us the desire to be in the light. People like to come home and the light's on so you can go in. Uh, if somebody sneaks up on you, you want the light to come on where it will show the potential evil of the world. God will not bring you or cause you to go into darkness. But he will bring you the light that wipes out the darkness. He will turn the light on. And his son, Jesus, offers that rebirth that we have mentioned in verse 18. The word of truth. The knowledge of forgiveness. The everlasting life that's promised for the redeemed. So... My challenge for you is you think about leveling temptation and how your faith can level it. You need to stay in the light. Stay in fellowship with the Father. Stay in the Word of God. Stay in prayer. Stay in church. You know, some of us, and Norris, I'm so happy to hear you. Norris and I pray every Sunday. We've done it for, I think, every Sunday that I was around here the past year, calling on the telephone. And today we were able to pray in the sanctuary, which is pretty cool. He's got his, his uh, vaccinations. Uh, some of you have already got yours, and you feel a little more comfortable. But I want you to know, it, I am not an, well, you might think I'm an idiot, but I'm not. And I'm sure watching at home is far more convenient than having to put your clothes on. It's not, nor says it's not. But I will say the lady sitting beside you, I won't name her name, she did say she likes to watch in her pajamas. And she said, don't you say that, so I didn't say it. So I'm thinking maybe in some of the future Sundays ahead, we ought to have pajama Sunday. That way you just come in your pajamas. And I don't want anybody coming in in the buff now. That's not going to happen. I mean, I want flannels. I want ruffles. I want full length if you're coming in. I don't want you coming in your old BVDs and, or B whatever they are and BD whatever. I don't want that. But you want to wear your ones with the feet in them and the hood, you, you go ahead and do that. But where I'm going with that whole uh, COVID shot idea is that there's much discussion about herd immunity or this herd, you know, ability to, you know, sustain health because we either had it or been inoculated from it. But there is no herd immunity for sin. It just doesn't work. 
it only works, I mean, it doesn't work if you know a couple Christians. It doesn't work if you've heard a couple sermons. You have to roll up your sleeve like to get the vaccination and receive Christ personally. You have to get your level out and find out, am I true to him? Because he will always be true to you. For a faith that works levels temptation. Would you stand with me, please? We pray. Our fathers, we come now to a time of invitation. Perhaps we are finding that the, the bubble in our levels have gone dry. And we need that renewal that only comes from you. We need the light to shine upon us because we've played and toyed in the darkness. We ask you, in this invitation time, if there's someone, Lord, who's never come to know Jesus, that they might come and profess him as Lord today. Step out from their pew, walk here, we'll pray together, and ask Christ to come into their hearts and change their lives and change their eternity because of the promise of Jesus. Maybe, Lord, there's someone who knows that they've been out of balance for quite a while. They have allowed temptation to destroy themselves. You can restore a clean heart in us, Lord. You will forgive because just as your word says, you're faithful to us and your love is there and your grace and your mercy is sufficient. So Lord, if there's someone here who is carrying this burden and they need to let it go, they need to be straightened, if you will, be leveled, made true again with you. Drop the plumb line of your faith upon us, Lord, and let them feel you in this hour. Lord, if there's someone who says, this is the place I want to make my church home, we're gladly welcome them to our midst. We want to change this world. We don't want to become complacent in this world for Jesus. Speak to us. Let your Holy Spirit move, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.